Well, let me read you a scripture. It's found in 1 Peter chapter 4. The Bible says, dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. Look at that. A fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed. Those two words don't seem to go together. The sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Suffering, there's been a lot of that in the last uh, nine months or so. A lot of loss of finances, a lot of people that have passed away. We've all been gripped with emotional uh, compassion at those that have lost loved ones that could not even be by their side when they uh, were gone from this earth. How sad, how tragic. And we pray that this year changes and God intervenes in so many ways. But I want all of us to be clear about something. In this life, you and I are to be the example for Christ in this world. You and I are to live different than the world. You and I are to be married different than the world. Our marriage should look different than the world's marriages. It should be better. Say amen, all the married people. Amen, all the marriage. It's a good thing there's a marriage conference coming up. I think we need one, all right? So, and it's gonna be great. So you need to be there. But our marriage needs to look different than this world. We need to uh, suffer differently than this world. We don't do it like the world does it. We don't complain and gripe and grumble and get mad at everybody and mad at God. No, we don't do that. We don't even die like this world. We are to die as unto God, realizing when we close our eyes in death, we're going to be in glory. And so it's a a practice in our lives that we are different. So the truth of the matter is this. We're all going to face suffering at some point in life. You can define that any way you want to, but we're all going to go through it. And this particular scripture says, Things are going to happen to you to test you and uh, to see if you are um, able, by the grace of God, to rejoice and to understand suffering and the ways of Christ so that the power of Christ, the glory of God, will be revealed in us. Uh, Today, Christians get really confused about what is suffering. Uh, A lot of people... They view suffering as uh, things like, boy, I had a rough day. Uh, the, the person, the boss was mean to me or I had a rough day on the way home. It seemed like every time I stopped at a red light that uh, the person in front of me was on their phone and didn't go when the light changed. I'll tell you, how many of you, God's working on you still? Uh, but we really can't categorize that kind of suffering with what he's talking about here. Just today, I was out riding, going somewhere, and got behind someone. Uh, 
I think, I, if I had known better, I would have thought they went to sleep. Uh, it was like they sat there. I'm like, I'm not going to blow my horn um, because you know you can tell how saved you are by how you blow your horn. You know that, don't you? And so if you're really saved and they won't move, you tap your horn. If you're really struggling in your faith, you lay down on it a little more. And then if you are nearly backslidden, I mean, you give them that horn and raise your hand and do all kind of other motions. And uh, so let me just challenge you, hit it lightly if you have to. And if they look up in the mirror, smile and wave and uh, don't provoke them. They may be having a bad day and want to get into road rage, all right? And uh, that's the last thing you want to happen. Well, suffering happens to us all. And all of us are going to go through it regardless of who we are. But God is going to help us to suffer, not like the world, but as Christ would want us to suffer. We have to understand suffering if we're going to do it from God's perspective. Still got some congestion. It's not COVID, okay? All right, so anyway, uh, what happens if we don't understand suffering and pain in our life? Sometimes we start getting bitter. Bitterness is simply the result of not seeing suffering from God's perspective. And failure to understand suffering may produce bitterness instead of forgiveness. Maybe you have suffered because someone did you wrong and uh, they took from you financially. Someone just recently, wow, they sent me a text. They, they attend our church still. They call this their church, but someone financially really took advantage of them a few years back and, and uh, literally took from them uh, substantial money into the millions of dollars. And, and when I read that, I'm like, oh my Lord, how do you overcome dealing with someone who has taken from you, stolen from you in a business deal, uh, millions of dollars only by the grace of God? Can you handle that kind of thing? Maybe you're sitting here tonight, you had a loved one, your mom, your dad, they passed away. And uh, didn't leave a will, and a brother or sister slipped in there and uh, took advantage of you. You got hardly anything, almost nothing. They got everything, and you are still struggling with that. Let me tell you something. Uh, you need to forgive them. You need to let it go. You need to rejoice in the goodness of God, knowing you're going to have a mansion in heaven if you don't blow it down here and lose out with God. Several years ago, I had a relative that his mother married someone that had some money there in Lakeland. And when the man died, he said, I'm, he said, I'm going to leave it to my wife, your mother, and when she passes away, I want it all to go to you. Well, when mom got all this real estate, money, brother and sister a long way away, drove down 
put her in the car and kidnapped their own mother and drove out of town. I mean, uh, probably looking in the rearview mirror, drove out of town, got somebody to fraudulently sign some papers uh, so that they had power of attorney. And the amazing thing was that when he was telling me about it, he had become a born-again Christian, and he didn't act upset. And I, so I felt like I needed to get upset for him. And I was like, you, you mean to tell me, let's go get him kind of attitude. I can't believe, why aren't you upset? And he was like, well, I, I'm just not going to get upset over it. And I had a hard time. I'm still a little upset over it, all right? So anyway, but uh, people are going to do that way to other people. But how are we going to respond? We're going to respond like him. Uh, I had someone else some years ago that someone beat them out of a business deal. And I'm listening to this story, and I'm like, well, what are you going to do about it? He said, nothing. I never had it anyway, so I don't miss it. I'm like, they owed him money, and they didn't pay him. And what? You don't miss it because you never had it? Well, I'm sitting here missing it, and I never had it either. Y'all pray for me. uh, That was years ago, years and years and years ago. I've gotten so much more spiritual since then. All right. Here's some things that are going to happen if you don't handle suffering in the right way. You will get bitter. You'll get bitter. You'll get bitter at your sister that kidnapped your mother. You'll get bitter at the person that stole several million dollars from you. You'll get bitter at the uh, man that... uh, beat you out of the inheritance. You'll get bitter even at a loved one, but you can't do that. Here's some steps to turn bitterness into forgiveness. Number one, repent of temporal values. Repent of temporal values. Temporal values involve being more concerned over things that last for a time than things that last for eternity. Folks, this building, as much as we have enjoyed being in it, one day it will cease to exist. I can hardly bring these words to my mouth, but I don't know if it'll be a hundred years from now if the Lord tarries or when. They'll probably bulldoze it over. If you're still here, stand in front of the bulldozer, all right? Don't let them do it for my sake, all right? But uh, one day they're going to take it down. Because nothing here on earth lasts forever. Let me read you a scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Boy, when you first got that brand new car, and I mean, wow, you, you loved it. I mean, it was so gorgeous. You, you just took care of it. And now it's been years, and it's rusted out, and it's like, eh, you don't even care about it anymore. Nothing lasts forever down here. Nothing as far as things are concerned. Let me read you this first, Luke 12. And there's, this happened back then as it happens now. Then one from the crowd said to him, teacher, 
tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Jesus said to the man, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, here's what Jesus said. Take heed and beware of covetousness. Oh my goodness. What kind of counselor is Jesus? I mean, you never, you, you are forever surprised at his response to people. Here's a guy, comes to him, his brother is beating him out of the inheritance, and he says, hey, make my brother do right and divide the inheritance with me. Now, the average person would say, well, tell me the situation, tell me the story. Uh, what did he do, and, and why won't he do that? And here's what we can do. We can see a, a, a lawyer and whatever, but here is what Jesus says. He looks at the man, and he says to the crowd, beware of covetousness. In other words, I'm going to deal with your problem, and you've got a problem of covetousness, and I'm going to deal with that. So beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Number two, thank God for the offense, or in the offense, I should say, not for it. Thank God in the offense. If you are suffering, we don't thank God for the suffering. We thank God in the midst of the suffering. Amen? We thank God and uh, in spite of the suffering. We do not thank him for it. We don't say, God, thank you for this car accident. No. We thank God in spite of the car accident, in the midst of the car accident. God is not responsible for the wrongdoing of those who have hurt you. However, he will use their wrath to benefit your life. The offense offers you the chance to forgive them. Wow. <clears throat> I'm suffering up here. You know that, don't you? All right, so... <clears throat> Test, test, test. It's going to clear up. Okay. Ungratefulness and bitterness go hand in hand. All right. Thank God in the midst of the offense, uh, there's the benefit of forgiving. Anytime you do something spiritual, it is a benefit to your life. And uh, I've said it many times over the years, but all of us need somebody to hurt us. Did you hear what I said? You need, if you have never been hurt, I want you to come down to the altar after the service. We're going to find somebody to hurt you, all right? So, somebody to say something that is going to hurt. No, what happens if you, listen, think about it. If no one ever did you wrong, if you never had anyone say anything, do anything, hurt you, you would never have known what it felt like to forgive. Think about it. And yet, 
Some of you have been hurt so many times, and what have you done every time you have said, I want you to know I forgive you, but if you do it again, I'm, no, you don't do that. You don't say that. You say, I'm going to forgive you. You're just going to keep on forgiving. And there is no limitation to forgiveness when people are hurting us. We forgive. What's the opposite? What's the other choice of not forgiving? It is harboring it inside. And when we harbor it inside, then it grows and bitterness takes root in our lives. And uh, what happens? The bitterness will overwhelm our lives and you and I will start slipping away from God. This is a vivid illustration of this message, all right? So what am I going to do about this? I'm going to praise you, Lord, right in the middle of this. I'm going to praise you. I'm going to praise you. Yes. All these people are praying for me. They're not feeling sorry for me. They're praying for me. We all get congested every once in a while, Lord. We all go through things, Lord. We all face things, Lord. But we face them differently. We could get embarrassed. And I did that a moment ago, but I moved on now, Lord. And so I thank you that I'm not... I'm going to worship you in the midst of whatever I face in life. Glory, 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 glory. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord. What's happening? I feel a miracle coming on. All right. Oh, so. uh, yes. Okay. Where are we at? All right, let's go on. All right. Okay. We come to Jesus in Luke chapter 23, 34. You know, when it gets really bad, you and I need to consider Jesus, don't we? When it gets really bad, we need to think about him on the cross, how he responded. He didn't lash out. He didn't get angry. I mean, he, from that cross, he demonstrated that we die differently. Think about it. Nobody had ever hung on a cross and died a cruel, painful death with nails being put through our wrists, our feet, the murderous, torturous pain of the cross. Nobody had ever experienced that and come through it like Jesus did. Nobody had ever hung there and looked down on those that had crucified them and said, I forgive you. Nobody had ever done that. He was a vivid demonstration of what can happen when we do it God's way. And he died as a God because he was God, saying, I forgive you. Father, forgive them, for they don't even know what they're doing. And even as he's dying, he sees his mother and says to John, John, behold your mother. 
Mom, behold your son. In other words, John, I'm the oldest son. I'm counting on you to make sure mom's all right. Even in dying, he's concerned about his mom. That's the way believers die. We die concerned about others, not us. We die knowing that we're about to enter into the presence of God. I mean, I've never died before, so I don't know. Uh, I've never experienced it, but by the grace of God, one day when I die, like a long time from now, when I die, I'm going to go with the goodness of God. You know, um, I'm going to smile by the grace of God. I'm not going to get angry at God for heaven's sakes. No. Then Jesus said in Luke 23, Father, forgive them, for they don't even know what they do. And they divided his garments and they cast lots. View offenders through the eyes of Jesus. When people do you wrong, when people overlook you, when people say unkind things about you, don't dare get on their level. Don't do it. Respond. Say, God, I'm going to respond like you want me to. I'm going to humble myself. Practice that humility in your life. Don't get on their level. Don't ever get on their level. And teach them through your example. Amaze them because they're expecting your vengeance. And when they don't get your vengeance and they don't get anything but forgiveness and love in return, it shames them, it confuses them, it makes them wonder why are they acting this way instead of being mad at me like anybody else would be? Why? Because we have the Spirit of God within us. We have the Spirit of Christ within us. We view people and life differently than the world views it. Can you imagine what it's like to live in this world without Christ? To go through a pandemic without hope? And you and I, it may have rattled our cage, but bless God, we didn't lose hope. We knew that God was going to help us. And that's why when it first happened in March of last year, laying there on the bed, I was going to take a nap or something, and I said to Alice, Alice, I'm going to say something. Now look, if I get this and whatever and I die, um, it's been a good life. And I've enjoyed being your husband. And uh, I'm, I didn't say that. I just added that. But, uh, but I, I really, I meant it. So, and I just said a few words to her. You know, if I die, I die. But I'm not going to die. Okay? And so I can, came back with that confession. I'm not going to die. But uh, if I do, it's been a good life. And I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to rejoice regardless of what happens. I'm not going to live in fear. I'm not going to live in that fear that consumes some people, that they don't know God, they have no hope, they have nothing else but fear. You and I, we have the Spirit of God and perfect love that casts out all fear from our lives. Wow. Sometimes 
suffering can be God's way of getting our attention. Sometimes suffering can be God's way of getting our attention because all of a sudden we're going through something and it causes us as believers to come back to him, to turn to him with all of our heart. Suffering, number five, can open the door for self-examination. First Corinthians, we have communion right here in front of me tonight. One of the things about communion, and there's a lot of things about communion, but First Corinthians, let me read it to you. But let a man, Paul says, let a man examine himself. Didn't say let him examine someone else, but make sure we examine ourselves. And so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, an unworthy manner, a way that's not Christ intended or Christ-like, an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. The Lord's body is, of course, the body of Christ. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many have prematurely died. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. That's why this is a constant reminder, and Christ told us to do this ongoing. And it's one of the times uh, among many because the Holy Spirit will bring us to a place of remembrance, but when we come before the communion table, it is a time of self-reflection, self-examination to make sure, now listen to me, to make sure that before we partake as a believer of the cup and the bread that we believe represents the body of Christ, of course, but before we do that, we search ourselves, we examine ourselves, and we make sure that we don't have any animosity, any unforgiveness against somebody in the body of Christ. We're not mad at our husband, and we're not holding things against him or our wife. We're not upset with someone, and if we are, what do we do? God, forgive me. God, forgive me. Lord, I can't allow this to stay in my life. If we have an attitude about something that's unchristlike, we deal with it. And we walk away from the communion table cleansed by the blood of the Lamb. Washed, cleansed, made whole, made clean by God's forgiveness. That we should do when we come to the table. So suffering is a reminder of our weaknesses and uh, to make sure that when we, you and I are suffering, that we turn to God in his strength because we need him. Let me read you another scripture. And 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 and 10. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, 9 and 10. And he said to me, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weaknesses. Therefore, 
most gladly I would rather boast in my infirmities than the power, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in need, in persecution, in distresses, for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Let me turn over, guys, all the way over and um, close out with this. It's, uh, it's a statement of C.S. Lewis. Um, it carries some weight, and it's not a scriptural statement per se, but it's a good biblical statement. It says, God whispers in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pain. That can certainly be true. Let me ask you some questions in closing. Can I believe that even bad things that happen to me can be turned around for my good? I'm, I want you to ask yourself this question. Do you believe that even bad things that happen to you can be turned around for your good? Do you believe that? Do you believe if it becomes unpopular to serve Christ in America, do you still intend to serve him? Do you still intend to serve? Is there anything that could happen that would cause you to turn away from God? Any suffering? Any pain? And I would venture to say at that point, we all should say, God, I can do anything through you. But Lord, without you, I can do nothing. Do trials make me angry? Do trials make you angry? Angry at God, angry at others. There was um, some years back over at Goldenrod, a, a wonderful lady. She was on up in years at the time. She was wonderful. Um, most of the time, she was up. But she had some problems with her kids and her husband. And um, there were times that she would call me and she'd be mad mad at God, and literally get on the phone and start, I mean, letting God have it. And even at times uh, cursing God, and I would stand firm, be compassionate, try to minister to her on the phone, and one time she came in and said, it's not fair, and she's mad at God. And I'm like, okay, what would make God good in your eyes? If everything good happened to you and not one single thing bad ever happened to you, what would, tell me, what would make God good in your eyes? I had a lot of fun with her. And so, uh, <laughs> and finally, finally she got over that. Then she moved away and periodically called me to counsel me and straighten me out. But anyway, I still loved her. Here's what I want to close with in this verse because we read a scripture to begin with. We'll all face a test. Here was a test too. Daniel chapter 3, 17 and 18. It says, if we're thrown into the blazing furnace, here's what Meshach, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said to the king when they would not bow down to the idol. And 
Sometimes you suffer for doing right. And they were about to suffer greatly, potentially, for doing right by not bowing down. And so the king is talking to them and saying, giving them one last chance. Hey, if you'll bow down and worship the idol of me, then I won't throw you into the fiery furnace. You won't suffer. And they, um, here's what they said. They said, if we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. I love these guys. Look at these guys. When the king challenges them and says, you bow down to my idol and I won't throw you into that fire over there. They say, our God is able to deliver us and he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. And then they say, but even if he does not, they had just said, our God is able and he will. But then they're like, but even if he doesn't, even if he does not, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. This was a test. They're like, God is able. How many of you know God is able? God is able to bring you through any suffering you go through. God is able. And they said, our God will do it. And so we, you and I, we oft, often declare, our God will do it. And then we're like, but Alice, even if I die, even if I do die, it's been a good life. So we always keep a good attitude. We always keep a Christ-like attitude. And these guys, our God is able, and he's going to deliver us. I don't know if they took a second. I don't know if they looked at each other. I don't know if they thought about it a moment, thought, what if he doesn't? Or they turn to the king and they say, but even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down. In other words, nothing you do to me is going to cause me to turn against him. Nothing you do. So I want you to declare something with me in closing. Declare this after me. Declare, our God is able to deliver us. He's able to deliver us. Declare, he will deliver us. And then declare, I will serve no other God but Christ our Lord. Nothing will stop us from serving God. No sickness, no sorrow, no suffering, no pain, no transgression, no persecution, no tribulation. Nothing will stop you and I from serving our God. Amen? And so we honor him. Stand with us, please. Father, in Jesus' name, may nothing ever turn us away. May nothing that happens in this life to us cause us to get angry at you or to blame you or to stop serving you. Nothing anybody ever says, 
no loved one that we lose. God, no catastrophe we go through, no sickness we face, nothing. God, we understand on the other side of suffering is eternal life and a place you have prepared. God, you suffered greatly. And God, may you bring us to a place that whatever we face, you receive the glory as our light shines out to a world that does not know how to face suffering, that does not know how to live, and certainly does not know how to die. God, help us to be that shining light to them. In Jesus' name. These altars we're going to open. In just a moment, Pastor John's going to lead us in a chorus. I love the altar. The altar area, these altars. These altars were in the original Hogan Hall building over at Goldenrod. We had them built and we moved them to the next sanctuary. And then when we got ready to move over here, refurbished them, brought them over here. There's just something about altars. And I know it's probably my upbringing, but in the, alt in the Bible, the altar represented a place of sacrifice where we give our lives, we commit our lives. And a place of laying things down on the altar. A place of meeting God. And over here, you know, the altars are to the side, but this whole area has been deemed an altar. So tonight, if you need Christ and you don't know Him as your Savior, I want to challenge you to come. Find Christ in this altar. In this brand new year, 21, find Christ. Turn to Him. Maybe you're suffering. Maybe you're struggling and you don't understand, but you can come to this altar and say, Lord, I don't understand, but I'll tell you what, I'm not turning away from you and I'm not going to get angry and I'm not going to get upset anymore. I'm going to rejoice right in the middle of this suffering. I'm going to do it. And I'm going to start in this altar area. Whatever your need is, you need a healing touch, you come. Whatever your need is, as Pastor John leads us, make your way to this altar. Let's pray together here at this altar before you leave this building. Father, Thank you. 
God. Pastor John, lead us in prayer, please. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you so much for your presence in this place tonight. Thank you, God, for speaking to our hearts. And thank you for drawing those that have come to these altars and that are reaching out to you, Lord God, of our broadcast. Thank you for drawing them by your spirit closer to you even right now. And I pray in the name of Jesus Christ, God, for those that are giving their lives to you for the first time, that, God, you would continue to just nurture them, Lord God. Help them to grow in you and in the victory that you've given them through your son, Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord God, for those that are reaching out to you for various situations and just giving you control over everything that's going on in their lives, God. I pray that you would show yourself strong and that, God, you would just turn things around for their good as you said in your word that you would. God, as we endure and as we go through suffering and hard times, God, we go through it knowing that we have hope in you and you alone and that you are able to turn things around. And so, Lord God, we take what you've spoken to our hearts tonight and we take it as a seed, Lord God. We pray that it would bear fruit in our lives and that it will just, just manifest into great truth, Lord God, as we face situation after situation, knowing that you are in control. We love you, we honor you, and bless you for a great rest of this week to come. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. God bless you, church. We love you so much. We pray God's blessings upon you as you face the rest of this week. If you're joining us online today and you gave your life to Jesus Christ, why don't you call the number that's on your screen or text the number that's on your screen, the word saved, and we would love to send you some information that'll bless you. Also, if you are here today and you'd like to take communion, Pastor Wayne is here to serve you. We would love for you to do so. Take care. See you again soon.